For the next six weeks, we are going to be going through the study of the 23rd Psalm. This is one of the most well-known passages of Scripture, I think, that people are generally familiar with. It's an encouraging passage. It's uh, one that I remember from being a little boy. We are all sheep gone astray, Scripture says, right? And that last song that we just sang... We're going to fill in here and there over the next several weeks as we go through these six verses of Scripture and just let them minister to you as you sing hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah, you are my shepherd. Tonight we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read the entire passage. But before we do, you guys know that today's the Super Bowl. Well, there's two teams and do you know who they are? Well, I'll give you a hint. One of them, San Francisco, and the other is Kansas City. Which, all right, who's going for Kansas City? That's pretty good. All right, and he's San Francisco. All right, that's pretty good. We're gonna have a fight at the end of the service. This is great. Um, <laughs> in the middle of the service, we're gonna have a fight. That's right. I want you to see what Brock Purdy, the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, said in an interview this week. Let me ask you a question about your faith. Jesus. How you doing? Doing good. How you doing? Good. Tell me about scripture this year, some of the Bible verses that you've been reading and passages that's maybe helped you this year. Yeah, this year for me, it's been Psalm 23. Um, Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Then it goes on. But... um, for me, you know, playing this game, playing this sport, there's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, you can it's easy to get wrapped up in, you know, wanting and feeling like wanting to be loved, you know, obviously by your teammates and everybody, but like the world. And so um, for me, like in that in that passage, it's talking about, you know, I already have what I need from from the Good Shepherd and, and Jesus. So um, I don't know. I've just been studying Psalm 23 uh, throughout the whole whole season and been going back to it it's what I start off with actually every single day I just read off Psalm 23 to myself before I start start off with some solitude and and then I go about my day that's pretty cool isn't it the truth of the matter is he knew we were going to do the sermon series and when he called me earlier in the week I I prayed for him and we went through the 23rd Psalm and that's why he said that but he'll get right with the Lord later and, and we'll be fine but it is true that it is difficult like he said you want to please other people in this world. You want to find contentment. You want to find satisfaction in this world. And the temptation, whether you're a Christian or not, is to do that. And in light of that, we're all following something or someone, aren't we? Well, that, I want you to think of, could be our shepherd. The good shepherd. Jesus Christ, God, wants to be our shepherd. And David, that we're about to read, acknowledges that he is his good shepherd. And we're going to break this down tonight. As we read, I just want to invite you to stand. And we're going to read all six verses. It'll be on the screen. You're not going to hell if you don't have your Bible. But I will smack your hand afterwards. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy, just like we just sang, shall follow me all the days of my life. You can be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. Such a great psalm, packed with great power and legitimate authenticity, from a guy who truly was a man after God's own heart. It really has to do with contentment and satisfaction in this world, but it has to do with, like I said, who is your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So we want to just break down real quickly three truths about the Lord being, and you put your name in the blank, your shepherd. Number one, the Lord is the saving shepherd. In that first verse, it says, David writes, the Lord is my shepherd. This is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Y, H, W, H. All consonants. Ancient Israel, Israelites, were afraid to even mention that name. They would instead use Adonai, Master, Lord, lowercase, God. Why? The Ten Commandments tell them right out of the gate. Have no other gods before me, but don't use the Lord's name in vain. It says in Leviticus that if you do, whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord will be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him, the sojourner, as well as the native. When he blasphemes the name, he'll be put to death. My name forever, the Lord said. I am. When he was talking to Moses, and Moses asked him, who am I going to tell them is, has sent me to get you out of Egypt? Who is their savior? I am. Present tense, the Lord who always was, always is, and forever will be, the Lord. And we get to David, and David says, I'm not only not afraid to say it because I'm not saying it in vain, I'm saying it in worship and acknowledgement that you are my personal shepherd. That he was praising the name of his shepherd to the people who needed to recognize who they needed to make their shepherd. Is he yours, the saving shepherd? We get nervous. How am I going to act around God? Deuteronomy, to you it was shown in verse 35 of chapter 4. That you might know that the Lord is God, that there are no other beside him. He's my shepherd. 
He's the ultimate shepherd. There is no other God. Why, if I'm dependent on him, do these other gods compete so well? Probably because they have hands and feet and I can see them and they're talking to me. Right? The things of this world are compelling. And Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy, and he wants to distract, and he's going to be compelling. Don't let that get in the way of what you remember your saving God to be. The omniscient, omnipotent God of the universe who hung the moon and the stars and made you in his image and said, you were bought with a price. You belong to me. And if you fall, I will get you. I love you. I'm for you. You can trust me. I am approachable, but I am unbelievably powerful. And I got you. Isaiah 46 9 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There is no other I am God. There is none like me. Scripture says, From Old to New Testament, I will never leave you or forsake you. Online, you can see this meme that's hilarious, and it's a sheep that flies into a ditch, and the guy gets him out, the good shepherd, gets the sheep out, sets him down, the sheep runs that way, and straight headlong right back into the ditch. And oftentimes people just say, me and my relationship with Jesus. Or, But it's so true, isn't it? Sheep are dumb. And we forget that we were saved or that we even needed to be saved in the first place. We're sidetracked. We forget our Savior. John 10.10, he says he's the good shepherd. Now there's, I want to break down a saving shepherd is a good shepherd, a great shepherd. What's a good shepherd? Jesus, I believe, David Old Testament picture knew Jesus is coming, prophesied by Isaiah. And when Jesus comes on the scene in the New Testament, he paints himself as a saving shepherd. But he does it in these three ways. First, as a good shepherd. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, right? So what does a good shepherd do? He died. Well, I don't need a dead shepherd, right? I need a live shepherd. So let's fast forward a little bit. No one takes his life, Jesus said. I lay it down freely and I pick it up again. Attorney General John Ashcroft was comparing Islam to Christianity And he said this, the difference between Islam and Christianity is that Islam is a religion where God requires you to send your son to die for him. Christianity is a faith where God himself sends his son to die for you. What a great picture. He's done it. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life. But he's also the great shepherd who lives, who arose from the dead. Hebrews 13, 20, and 21 says, 
Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant. The great shepherd equips you with everything good that you might do his will, working. Can a dead anything equip or work? No. We have a live Savior that equips you and lives in you to work in you to will and to act according to his good pleasure. He is alive. Or is he? How many Christians do you know that you would never know that they serve a living Savior? They serve someone they talk about. But there's not a whole lot of evidence. What is the evidence in your life that you serve a living shepherd? That you are following him and he is equipping you and you are growing and you are looking more like him. The great shepherd will live for you. Finally, the chief shepherd. The chief shepherd returns for his sheep. 1 Peter 5, 4 says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. He's coming again. We're not going to be here forever, but we focus on these things as if they are going to be here forever. He should have revealed when we got saved that these things are not forever, but he is, and you are, and we are. And that eternity is with him. First truth, he is the saving shepherd. Second truth, the Lord is the satisfying shepherd. Verse 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The word want means to lack, to be empty, to be deprived of something. There are two shepherds you can follow in this world. One is Jesus Christ, and the other is the Antichrist. Two shepherds. In Romans, we see this as, I've either been a slave to sin or a slave of obedience leading to righteousness. In other words, we're all obeying something all the time. We just think that in neutral ground, we're not really doing anything wrong, we're just in neutral ground. But what did Jesus say about neutral ground? If you're warm, Luke, warm, you're being spit out of my mouth. So we have to get this idea that God is over there and Satan's over there and I'm somehow in the middle and I'm just going to be accepted for my good deeds. There's God on this shoulder and Satan on this shoulder telling me what to do and I just mess up every once in a while and God will sort it all out in the end. And in reality, if I'm saved and I'm bought with a price and I have a brand new identity, I'm over there. I'm not on this side anymore. So he cannot have power over me to be my shepherd, can he? Either Satan is my shepherd or God himself is my shepherd. There's a false anti-shepherd. The world, the God of this world is what the Bible paints the picture of Satan to be or God. I know that seems black and white in a gray world. But think about it. 
What did I just say in Scripture? We have this dichotomy that goes on inside us all the time, that we are convicted of sin, we're forgiven of sin, we turn from our sin and repent. Why? Because the shepherd loves us so much that he wants us to have satisfaction, but sin keeps us from it. So the very thing that we try and get comes from where? The, the, the days in the wilderness that Jesus spent, he was tempted by whom? It was either Satan or his father. And Satan gave him scripture to drag him that way. And he saw the difference, quoted it back, and went straight to his father. And said, you be holy as I am holy. You die as I die. You love as I love. We can do that. But we tie our own hands with false theologies and half-hearted efforts at our spiritual growth. We become lackadaisical in our faith, and we're content with the middle ground because we believed a lie from the pit of hell. That lukewarmness is just fine. Why am I not satisfied then? Because I'm living in bath water when I need an ice bath. Matthew 12, verse 30, Jesus said, Whoever is not with me is what? Against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack, want, need. He provides for all that I need. I trust him or I fight to get what they think is okay. Philip Keller said in his book, A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm, he said when he was raising sheep, he learned so much about his first ranch. The welfare of the flock is entirely dependent on the management afforded by their owner. If you have a good owner, you're going to have a good, well-kept, well-maintained flock, right? If you have a bad owner, you're going to have a bad flock. My first ranch, the guy next to me was a terrible shepherd. He was a terrible shepherd. He didn't care for the sheep. He didn't care about the land. The sheep were just something to raise and slaughter. That is the enemy in your life. He doesn't care about you. He's something to get rid of. He seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all they were. So he didn't spend any time with the sheep. He didn't spend much money on the sheep. He didn't take care of the land they were to graze in. And the sheep were diseased. The sheep were weak. They were sick. They were unprotected. They were beaten by cougars and taken by dogs and rustlers. And the sheep had all sorts of skin diseases and problems. On the other side of that, wire fence that separated the property were my sheep. They were well taken care of and the grass was lush. I remember in my mind's eye when a little group of those sheep that were mistreated and had to drink the muddy water... And so diseased, they would look through the fence, and you could just see it in their eyes. They would look at what was on the other side and say, Oh, I wish that were my shepherd. I wish I was on that side of the fence with that shepherd who cares for his sheep. There's going to be a day, and there's going to be a time even here, where you look at somebody else's life, and you look over, and you go, I wish I had someone that cared for me like that. You do. 
receive the care. We think the care needs to look a certain way so we don't receive the real loving care of God. He says, follow me. We need to trust him. He wants us to surrender. The devil will leave you empty. And when it comes to God, you and I, well, we can just be dumb. He's powerful. We don't understand his ways. Even in the Old Testament, we read, as the heavens are higher than the earth and his ways higher than ours. I mean, what am I supposed to do with that? His thoughts are above my thoughts. Well, I'll tell you exactly what I do with that. I trust in that, and I know that I don't have any thoughts good in and of themselves. So I have to weigh my thoughts with what he's trying to tell me. God gives you everything you need, not everything you ask for. But why? Because if I asked for everything I wanted and he gave it to me, I'd be in trouble, right? I'd probably be extremely overweight. (laughs) I would not be in very good shape at all. You fill in the blanks. How many people do you know? How many stories have you read of people who won a lottery who aren't even alive anymore because of suicide or brokenness? How many people were wealthy and lost everything because they couldn't handle what they got on their own? God knows what's good for his sheep. And sometimes it might not be his timing. Sometimes he knows, yeah, it's good, just not yet. Or, no, that's not good at all. That's definitely not good for you. I think I sometimes need to slap my own hand saying, I hear you, Lord, and I trust you. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He changes the desires of your heart as you delight yourself in him. He begins to give you different desires that actually bring satisfaction in your life because you've given up the desires that you thought would bring satisfaction but never could. That's the difference between the ice bath and lukewarm living following literally the wrong team, the enemy of God. A Sunday school teacher one time asked a group of four to ten-year-olds, can anyone recite the 23rd Psalm? And a little five-year-old girl said, me, 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 me. And she said, little Susie, come on up here. And she says, okay, the Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want. That's exactly what we should pray, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. Out of the mouths of babes, (laughs) he's the saving and satisfying shepherd, and finally he is the seeking shepherd. When Philip Keller saw through that fence at those other sheep peeking at envying his sheep, you know, that's like us on the devil's ranch. That's the way it is when we're following the devil and he's your shepherd. The Lord wants to be your shepherd, so you don't have to follow, but we we empower our shepherd, don't we? I mean, my feet are walking after whoever my shepherd is. I am running into that ditch. That is a proactive thing. So it takes a proactive decision and proactive feet to pick the right shepherd. 
Doesn't he leave the 99 to go after the one? Who stands at the door and knocks? Is it me or is it him? He is the seeking shepherd. He seeks you. His spirit goes out to us and invites us in and says, follow me. And then we say yes or no. Here's the thing. We don't have to say yes. Philip said yes. Matthew said yes. Peter, James, and John said yes. The rich man said no. The rich man said, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and said, have you obeyed all the commandments? Yeah. Well, there's one thing you lack. There's one thing you lack. There's one thing you want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It wasn't that the Lord wasn't, he didn't know the Lord. I know what you need, but you have to be prepared, because I've asked you a couple questions now, and this answer is going to be important. I know what you want, I know what you need, I know what you lack. What? Go, leave that. And follow me. And what did he do? Went away sad. He considered his property. He considered his stuff. He considered his prestige and his position in the community and his power. And he said, I cannot leave that. Today, he is separated from all the things he was afraid to leave and the good shepherd the great shepherd. We don't ever want to be separated from our satisfying shepherd. It is worth leaving whatever it is over here to gain him. Jesus said, what is it if I gain the whole world but lose my soul? That's what he was saying. And we choose on a regular basis to sacrifice our soul for temporal things because they temporarily satisfy us. Permanently, God created us for Him for eternity. He loves you. So He simply says, follow me, follow me. Will you follow me? So we have a decision to make. Who's your shepherd? Who's your shepherd? Who are you following practically? Maybe you're standing in the middle and you've got that mentality that Satan's over there, God's over here, and I'll be okay if I just stay here and I'm not too bad. God knows my heart, right? Don't judge me. No, God is judge and jury. But through Jesus, you've been forgiven. From the first sin to the last. Who do you want to follow? Who are you following? My sheep, he says, hear my voice. Jesus said, I know them and they follow me. 
My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you ever hear God's voice? I'm not talking about out loud. How do we generally hear from God? Maybe through his word. It's a conviction. I'm hearing it. Literally, I'm hearing it in my heart and my soul and I feel and I know what I'm supposed to do. Why? Because the Christian life is an inside-out life where he turns us literally inside out by speaking to us on the inside and whatever Jesus said this, whatever's in your heart comes out of your hands. Whatever's in your heart comes out of your mouth. I want this to be a reflection of what's in your heart. Has he spoken to you? I heard from him today. Every day you can hear from him. And he's going to yank the rug out from under you so that he can bless you and give you satisfaction. Not by the things of this world. He's overcome this world. Be of good cheer. Here's what Satan can never provide. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Gentleness. He can't produce faithfulness in you. You can try your best for your goodness. And that's why we go through this. I'm worn out. I'm exhausted because I can't behave enough. Jesus Christ bears fruit in us. And he gives us all of those things. So in our walking around... We can have peace in spite of the world, in spite of our desires. We can take our inventory and go, Lord, this is who I have been. This is who I want to be. You said, follow me, and I'm having a hard time doing it. Help me. And he does. He says, okay, take a step. And we do. And he gives us strength for the next step. And before you know, we're all the way over there safe. And we can recognize his voice. Because we're constantly following the good, the great shepherd, the satisfying shepherd. Who was and is and is to come. And who sustains us. And who's coming again. So I'm going to ask you as we close, who's your shepherd? Bow your heads. I just want to pray for you. And then we're going to be dismissed. The good shepherd lay down his life for you. The great shepherd wants to care for you and meet your needs. And the chief shepherd is coming again. If you don't know him and you want to, He's saying tonight, follow me. It's that simple. I'm going to be down front. If you want to follow him, this altar can be yours. James is going to play. We can pray where we are. We're not going to embarrass anyone. We just want to help. We are here to help people follow the God of the universe that came in flesh 
to show us how to live and to show us how to love and to show us how much he loved so much that he sent Jesus for you and me. That when you receive him as your shepherd, you're going in a different direction from this day forward. If you want to go in a different direction and you've been going in the wrong way for the wrong reasons, you think about that right now. Just put your hand up. Nobody is looking. I just want to pray for you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anyone else? Lord, you know our hearts. And you know these who said that honestly, it is easy to miss when you say follow me versus when Satan says follow me. It is difficult down here. And you tell us that you will give us all we need for life and godliness, Lord. So I, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now. Lord, that you would help them both to see the real voice, to hear the real voice of the real shepherd, you. To be able to tell the difference, that they can go in the right direction and stay going in the right direction for the rest of their lives. Lord, you tell us that you will sanctify us, that you will draw all men unto yourself as you are lifted up. Lord, as a church, sometimes it's difficult to be able to tell the difference, and we know where that comes from. But we also know that David claimed. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. And we as a church, individually and collectively, corporately right now, we are praying that we are your sheep. Like David said, I am your sheep. I'm not just saying that you are my shepherd. I am saying that I am an available sheep who trusts you. You shear me when I need it. You feed me when I need it. I will walk through your pastures. I will trust you. Lord, that's what we as a church say tonight. Thank you for encouraging us with this word. Empower us as we walk. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you all to stand. We're just going to sing.